welcome your backup plan tribe to this week's show. I'm so, so very excited to see everybody today. Our show today is called Five Steps to Clearing the Estate but Leaving the Memories. How important is that? If you are new here, welcome. Welcome to our show. If you are a returning subscriber, thank you. Thank you so very much for coming. And you know, spending your valuable time with us, because if you are here, you are here for a reason. Uh, definitely share like, and subscribe to our channel. Talking Taboo with Tina is all about talking about life-changing events with my guests. Um, you know, it's, it's all about those real raw conversations that we never really get to have with people. Uh, it's not like we sit down with our friends and talk about, well, what do you want to do when you die? Or what do you, what do you want to have uh, for your funeral? We, we don't do that. And it's all taboo subjects. And so I'm really excited today to have this conversation because, you know, when someone passes away, it's just so very, very hard to determine what we want to keep and what we don't want to keep. But everything has a memory attached to it. So I'm so really excited to have Crystal Holm on our show today. And she's coming to, to us today from Denver, Colorado, and um, in the United States, of course. But if you are new here, my name is Tina, and I am a best-selling author of In the Blink of an Eye. I am an emergency preparedness coach, a financial expert, and an app developer of Your Backup Plan app right here in Vancouver, BC. I'd like to welcome all of you to our channel. I'm super happy to have you here today, of course. If you haven't liked, share, and subscribe to our show, I'm going to click on that little subscribe button down there in the corner and make sure so that you get all of our shows sent to you directly and you won't miss any. Um, I'd like to welcome my German listeners, uh, my United States listeners and my Canadian listeners, you know, and now Italian listeners from Italy. You guys are just kicking butt up there because I keep on having this little, is it Ireland? Is it Italy coming up next for our our favorite listeners. Um, but yes, welcome our American and our Canadian listeners, of course. And of course, our German listeners too are next in the top third of our show. Meine deutsche Freunde sind unserem Podcast willkommen. Wenn Sie Kommentare haben, können Sie gern Fragen stellen. Also, danke für deine Freundschaft. Danke fürs Hören, meine deutsche Freunde. So let's get this party started. If you have found us, you have found us for a reason. And, um, you know, your backup plan app puts your life all in one place in case of any unpredictable circumstance. It doesn't matter what it might be. It could be a car accident. It could be a wildfire. It could be a flood. It could be hearing the C word or having a heart attack or being stuck with COVID and ICU, it, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is, but we need to be better prepared. We need to be prepared for the unexpected. Um, one thing we can all count on, and it's funny because we were having a little discussion with Crystal before we came on this morning, and she said something very interesting. She says, we are all born and we are all going to die. And it's, it's funny because I say that in all of our shows, um, you know, 
we're going to get sick, we're going to get disabled, we're going to get, we're, we're going to pass away. And how do we take that painful aftermath out of that tragedy is by, by being better prepared for the unexpected. And we used to be better prepared for the unexpected. We used to in the little house on the prairie, you know, can you picture, a, you know, an old wooden uh, structure as a house and the father would take the brown paper and he'd roll up all the important documents and twist tie them really tight and stick them up in the rafters or in the attic and say to everybody that's where all the important documents are but in 2022 what do we do do we do that no but we have all these hidden digital assets on our computers. We have all these reward points. We have all these Xbox rewards and money that we've earned in certain things. And we have bank accounts and investments that sometimes our spouse doesn't even know how to access. Sometimes one spouse does all the bookkeeping, the other one doesn't. Sometimes our brother or sister don't know even how to get into our house. So it's all of these things that I bring to light for you as an assistant to help you get your crap together, get your stuff all in one place, because most of the time we don't know what that stuff is, right? And of course, your backup plan is bringing together a new program, uh, we're going to be launching the blueprint program, which is really going to be a whole list of worksheets, uh, templates that you can use to have those conversations, uh, family conversations that you know what to ask what to how to tick the boxes and, and really have a better preparation and understand what you have, and what you don't want what you do want, and all of those great interviews and videos, a library of videos that we're going to have in our program. So thank you again for coming to our show. Let's get this party started with Crystal and let's bring her on. There she is. Hi, Crystal. Hi. So Crystal is coming to us from Denver, Colorado today. She's founder of Design Life Studio. She's a feng, feng shui master and a clutter expert, the perfect person to come on our show today to talk about her life-changing event that she had and why she's in this type of world now. Um, I'm so excited to hear your story, Crystal. Well, I am very excited for, to be here and to share my story with you. So um, <laughs> I'm trying to think about where, where to even start talking yeah. about my story and, and where is the, is the best. I think for me, it really started in my, in my childhood, you know, to be quite honest. Um, my parents divorced when I was young, uh, when I was like eight and they both remarried, um, remarried like by the time I was nine. And so, um, I think <laughs> I remember having experienced like my, my grand, actually it would have been my great grandparents dying and going to their funerals and stuff. But my stepmom was, I think the first person that, that really affected me closely or, or impacted me strongly. Right. My yeah. great grandparents, I wasn't super close to, I was really young. Like I can remember yeah. that they died and going to funerals and stuff, but like, I, it was funny. I was listening to you talk when I was backstage. Um, and, uh, 
it, it made me think about my stepmom because you were saying like nobody talks about, but I can remember always her. She was always saying, I want to be cremated. Like she was adamant that she wanted to be cremated after she passed away and that she wanted to be, you know, in the wind, and, you know, a little bit off the mountains and this in the ocean. And, you know, she was yeah. super clear about what she wanted too. And um, she actually passed away right before I turned 16. She died of cancer. Um, it was very quick. Uh, actually, it wasn't very quick. <laughs> it was and it wasn't right. She was sick for a long time oh. and she, she was terrified of going to the doctor. And so she just wouldn't, uh, you know, she, she bought Maalox by the case and just drank it. Like it was Ugh. just straight out of the bottle. Like I can remember just for years, just watching her drink Maalox. Like that was the only fluid on the planet. And, um, but she just wouldn't go to the doctor. She was afraid that they would do surgery or have to cut her open or so. And she'd had, you know, quite a bit of traumatic life experiences that led up to this. So yeah. she had lots and lots of reasons for not wanting to go. But um, when she did finally go, it was a uh, stage four throat cancer and she died within six months or less. Um, and it was strange at the time because my mother actually wouldn't let me go to the funeral or, or anything to do with it. Once she got sick, I was not allowed to, to go there. So I wasn't allowed to be a part of that process, um, which actually made it really, really hard for me to heal from. Yeah. I, I, I mean, still, even, you know, that was 30 plus years ago. It, it still impacts me. The fact that I wasn't allowed to be a part of that death process. Um, yeah. and like she accepted it. She went through the whole finding yourself thing and, and finally achieved peace with it, but I was never allowed that. So then she was gone and it was just sort of never dealt with. Um, my dad actually, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he got sick. My dad actually had quite a bit of heart problems at the same time. They were both hospitalized at the same time together on different floors. Um, oh dear. <laughs> yeah. He he had a heart attack and bypass surgery. She had cancer and had all of it removed. So she had one of those, um, those machines that talked for her, you know, out of oh. the voice box. Um, and I remember what the first time I called when she answered the phone, I remember it like hanging up the phone and terrified. Like I couldn't think of an answer. Like what is going, maybe aliens got my parents. Like where are my parents and why is an alien answering the phone? It took like three phone calls before I finally got brave enough to say something and then found out like she had, they had diagnosed it. They had done the surgery. They had removed her voice box and given her this machine. And I never did get to see her again um, after that, but and that's got to that's got to hurt as well as well as the the voice. Imagine losing it's like losing your hearing, losing your voice. Yeah, yeah, um, and everything like it was just everything about who she was. You know, I mean, I I talked to them on the phone a few times, but I, I like I said, I didn't get to be present for that. Um, my my parents lived in Denver. My mother and her husband lived in Minnesota, and I was with them. And so not able to be with my dad and my stepmom as they were going through all of this. And it ended up, um, I was 15 when this happened. Um, and when I was 18, 
is when I moved to from Minnesota to Colorado with to my father and he was still sort of stuck in that place. Um, he didn't have the house or any of that anymore. He'd had had to move, um, but he still had all of her things like just in boxes in an empty room in his new little townhouse. Like it was just her stuff was everywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, and he just couldn't deal with it. So it was just there in these boxes and like they still, he still had the same bed. Um, and I remember he had a, he had a waterbed with an underdresser, right? And it had eight drawers on each side. And every one of those drawers was still packed the exact same way it had been from the time I was nine until the time I was 15 and she passed oh away, nothing had changed. And I was 18 now and it was all still the same. Yeah. It had been moved to a different house, a waterbed, which you have to take apart completely, right? Yeah. But put back together and- The good old days. And it was, yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the good old days. Back in the, back in the 80s. Yeah. Everybody had a waterbed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that stupid oh, yeah. headboard oh. <laughs> that was, that was, with the little shelves behind it. Oh yes. And the mirrors, right? Because we all need to yeah. have a mirror right there on our headboard. Right? Like, what kind of weirdness was that that we went through? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, style, was, I don't know. Well, at least it wasn't the 90s when we were hanging the mirrors on the ceiling. And like, yeah. all of a sudden. That and the pole dance. <laughs> the pole right. in the middle. Right. <laughs> um, and so that was that was kind of a thing for me actually when my so my daughter was born when i was 18 um and she was she was born in august and this was like november she was only a couple months old and i i moved back to colorado in with my dad and here i was now confronted with my dad and all of my my dead stepmom's belongings that I have never been able to like face, right? Because for three years, I haven't like, didn't get to go to the funeral. I didn't get to, I barely got to spoke to them on the phone for that, for that time period. Yeah. It was, it was less than six months. I really couldn't tell you anymore, like how long of a period it was, but um, yeah. And now here I am just face to face with everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. At which that point- that yeah. would be cha life changing, actually. That would that that's a hit. Like yeah, it was. While I was there, shortly after I got there, my dad woke me up one morning with, um, "Please don't freak out, but I'm having a heart attack, and the ambulance is on the way to come get me right now." So he went to the hospital, and here I am with my newborn, my father now in the hospital, and the whole house to myself, full of my mom's belongings. So yeah, I got to just sort through everything not sure if my dad was going to make it um kind of all alone uh with a brand new baby <laughs> and you know no what do you think what did that feel like chris um it i felt kind of lost actually um i felt very lost at the time it was quite overwhelming um i ended up not staying um 
my dad got out of the hospital and uh, I ended up leaving and going back to, to Minnesota with, with my, my daughter's father actually. And it, it took a few more years before I was able to go back out, you know, to, to Colorado. It, it was, it was a lot for me to process, to, to go through all that. I think it was, I think it was more than I could handle, but I wasn't ready or willing to admit it at the time. Right. I'm the oldest child. I was always the, the, the fixer. Yeah. And the one that was just, yeah, I'm in charge. Right. You'll make it, it right. Was, You'll fix right. it. Right. And I was always in charge. Right. Because oh, Crystal's the boss. Like we're leaving. You know, I'm the babysitter because I was the oldest child. So even at, you know, 10, 11 years old, it was, well, we're leaving to go do this thing. Crystal's in charge. Right. And it was just my responsibility to take care of everything. Um, my mom and her, her husband were well, they're both quite narcissists. My mom is a complete narcissist and a sociopath. So they were very abusive and very neglectful at the same time. And yeah. very much like you are responsible for raising all of our children. That was sort of what was put on me from the time I was eight. Um, and so I, I learned how to be a competent parent long before I had my own child, right? I got to, I practiced, yeah. I had practice kids. I had my siblings to practice being a parent on, yeah. right? And then how that worked. So it was, I was very used to just being in charge of things and, and taking charge of fixing things. And my dad was very good at finding strong women to take care of him. Yeah. And so-, so Mm -hmm. So how did, how did it result with your dad? Because now you'd have his mess and her mess if you didn't go in and do anything yeah. before he passed away. Yeah. And I dealt mostly with her mess and not his because he was still alive and his mess was bigger, right? Because at that time he was, um, well, he's, my father has struggled with alcoholism always. And at that time in his life, he was deeply alcoholic, uh, you know, where he didn't really face much of anything other than a, a bartender and a, and yeah. a bottle. A so, bottle. Mm -hmm. and, and so it, it, there was a lot there, you know, I, I, I dealt with my mom's things and then, like I said, I ran away and, and I just couldn't, it was just too big for me to carry. Um, so the, and by, by the time by I went back out, he was remarried. Oh. And we weren't allowed to talk about her anymore, my stepmom. But her stuff was still there. Oh, no, I had it all. Oh, then. you had it all then, by then. Yeah, I had already sorted it, gotten through it, taken the things that I wanted as mementos and... Um, whatever was left that I hadn't sorted. I'm sure I don't, I don't really ever know what happened to it after, after they got married. Um, I, we didn't have any conversations. Like I can remember being there for the wedding. And then it was a few years later being there and 
trying to have a conversation with dad, with my dad about my stepmom. And he was literally just stopped me in my tracks. Just, we do not talk about that anymore. I'm like, okay. Um, I guess we just won't talk about that anymore. And it was right. very uncomfortable for me that, that I was not allowed to talk about a person that was incredibly important in my life. Um, and I was 26 by then. So I didn't need a new mom, right? I didn't yeah. need a mom at all. Um, so that part was very difficult to. Plus she was, sounds like she was a really good friend of yours, which would my, have really hurt my too. My first stepmom? Your oh, stepmom, yeah. My first stepmom was, she was everything to me. Yeah, she was, um, she was kind of my savior, um, if you would call it that. Like I said, my mom and her husband were incredibly abusive, um, violently yeah. abusive. And my stepmom was, yeah, she was the person. She was the person that I, I chose to, as my mentor for the person I wanted to be because I made a conscious decision that I wasn't going to be anything like my biological mother, um, right. which is a whole different story. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, this, I, I, she was, I admired her incredibly. She was my hero. Um, yeah. And then you got sick. Um, I had an injury actually. Um, I had an injury as an adult that, well, I had a whole bunch of injuries. And then I finally had one that culminated in, I couldn't walk anymore. Um, it, it put me in bed rest for almost three years. Wow, and that's a long time. Yeah. It was a workman's like comp. It. it was a workman's comp situation. So it was more because the insurance company denied every single request to go to the doctor. Um, and just, literally tried to force me to prove that I actually had an injury. And so it was a lot of unnecessarily fighting and then crap. Yeah. And, and I suffered for it. Um, but as a result, like I wound up in that same sort of stagnant cluttered place. Um, just because my body was like, shutting down right I was I felt yeah. like I was turning to stone really is is how I is how I best describe it um well it was probably yeah. a whole accumulation of things and then that on top of it was just enough to put you over the edge yeah 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 after that was in 2016 that I had that injury so after this many years of 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 living with it and I do a lot of yoga <laughs> for sure. But what I notice is I can definitely look at every single joint in my body and tell you when and where it was injured. And it's still there, <laughs> right? It's still yeah. working its way out. Yeah. Crazy. Always. <laughs> yep. Um, so that really made an impact after that, then when you had all these life experiences of, of these to put you in the declutter mode to help yeah. other people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was the, the interior design and that energy thing. That was always like a passion. The energy thing actually came from my stepmom. She was the first person to teach me about, she taught me about magic at the time. Um, 
But after studying it and really just understanding, it's just another energy modality, yeah. right? And so, yeah. but I wound up with feng shui being my thing and, and then the clutter sort of just was a natural result of that. When I started working with clients, they would all get stuck in the clutter, like it just, and they couldn't move past it. And so it was, it was just something that I studied on my own, like the psychology of it and trying to understand how, because like my dad was stuck there. Right. And yeah. I had another friend in my thirties who I call her my Hanai mom, um, which I lived in Hawaii for a long time. That's sort of adopted mom is what that is. Right. She was another mother figure to me and it wasn't her. Well, she has passed away now, but when it wasn't her that passed away, but it was her mom that, that died and she inherited so much stuff. And then it was, it was crazy to, to watch it happen like in real time, right? Because she inherited sort of all this stuff and then it was all brought from a storage unit into her physical home. And it was like her home went from being cluttered. Let, I mean, to be honest, it was cluttered to begin with and, and there was some work to be done, but then all of a sudden it went from cluttered to like, hoarders where it was just a pathway from the door to her chair to her bed to the kitchen to the bathroom and like that was it and it was just like a hurricane hit yeah it was just like she got dumped on with everybody's stuff after her mom died she just inherited all of it and where does it go and so it was like literally three feet of stuff like just boxes up against the wall and it would be three feet in from the wall like you've got a whole new wall built out of boxes but she didn't know what to do with it. And then, of course, the depression from having lost her mother, you know, that part takes a while to get over. But while you're in that, the physical stuff, right, the, ener the energy of that, right, which is what I do for work now, right, yeah. at the, even at the time, I was, I was actually going to school at that time. So it, I was sort of studying and watching it happen in real time. Like as I was, as I was experiencing this and yeah, she, her person even went from more of a, I don't want to say boisterous and outgoing because she was not that, but she was definitely more not extra, not even extroverted, but she was more out then after her mom died and that everything came in, she almost just shut down. And you could see the energy just stagnating as the stuff came in and the longer the yeah. stuff was there. And then, and then it was like more stuff on top of that stuff, right? It's clutter just sort of breeds its own clutter. And it's like, as it grows, the, the more and more stagnant she got, the older she started to look physically um and, and, and probably felt <laughs> yeah you could see it in her movements and in the way she um and, and sometimes I think we put it all down to someone passing away and the other person's just sad and they grieve and and they're getting older and I, I think that's what we think 
but a lot of it has to do with this stuff. Now. Yeah. Changes your whole. Yeah. Personality. It, yeah, it does. And, you know, I think the, the two things definitely play a part of one another because, you know, but there is an energetic, like everything is energy. Right. And so I definitely the things that we own become imbued with our energy. But then when you know that energy, right, you, you know what it feels like, right? Just like, you know what a hug from your mom feels like, you know what her energy smells like, you know what her skin smells like, you know what your mom feels like. So when you have her belongings after she's passed, you can feel it. You can feel that energetic imprint. It will wear off over time, just like any, just like the smell will go away. Yeah. But it, the energy fingerprint takes a lot longer and it lasts until it's cleansed, really. That is, it's an attachment there. It's, it's a part of it. Um, and so it really does weigh the energy down heavier, right? Like dead weight, right? Dead weight is heavier than, you know, 120 pound person somehow weighs way more than that when, when it's dead weight. And, and yeah. the same is true for your things, that energy gets heavier and really weighs you down so much more. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, it's hard enough if you are an employee and work for another company, but to have your close one, whether it's a parent or a relative pass away and you work for yourself as a self-employed individual with your own business, you can imagine how that accumulates into your world and how it will restrict you and change you. And, and people don't realize what an impact that makes. And, and it even complicates people more when you get all their stuff, but there's so much stuff missing, like the, the stuff that you actually need, like the important stuff, like, you know, what their accounts were and where they're, what they wish to have happen and you know all of this stuff that you really want but you get all the other stuff that right the stuff you. that didn't right the stuff that affects you emotionally but doesn't really um help you it, it does, <laughs> yeah it's just it's this but it, that's the stuff that you have to deal with yeah. right as much i mean you have to deal with the other stuff too yeah it's just it's it's almost a it's a reverse sort of thing right yeah. where um you have to deal with the immediate things of yeah. dealing with all, the paperwork and right the paperwork stuff. all the all the technical stuff right which seems weird to call it that but yeah it is technical stuff a funeral arrangements or hospital arrangements and and bills to pay and and bank accounts and and there is all of that which is always really the first thing that has to be dealt with but usually that's some of the hardest stuff to deal with if you don't yeah. know if you don't know where they keep that stuff so then you're face to face with all of the other stuff that really brings up all of your emotions and all of your feelings and now you don't even have the strength or the energy to go find the stuff that you need to deal with you know so that you or the stuff that you need to deal with what is now is, is how I should say that. Right. And so, yeah, there ends yeah. up being a lot there. Cause I always talk about in the shows for um, 
people like when when something tragic happens like that it just it's like your logic brain disappears and your other brain is there but it's numb and it can't think straight so you could be asked you know what was her birthday and you wouldn't even know because you can't access it in your head it seems like it's gone yeah and yeah. and so you have to make these decisions and you have to answer these questions and you have to find this stuff and and then you still get all the stuff and you have all the emotional memories of it yeah Ugh. that's that's the hardest part for most people um i think I think actually, I think that might be the second hardest part. I think the hardest part is dealing with the technical stuff when all you want to do is be emotional and then yeah. dealing with the emotional stuff when all you want to do is not be emotional. <laughs> Just, yes. you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think it's the, it's that those two things combined, right? Because now you're like, your emotions are wore out while you've been dealing with the technical side of things. And trying to, to just process in your physical body. And now you get yeah. to turn around and it's like, ah, oh, crap. Now I yeah. got all this to deal with too. And it's, and it's the constant. It's the constant sights and smells of, you know, this was hers or this was his, um, you know, or it, you can still smell them in their space or in their clothing or, um, yeah, that yeah. is always that is always part of it. Um, yeah, I always say when we have a we have a treasure box in our program, and it's the last module. And so, what I want people to start doing is putting their favorite things together. You know, if it's a monthly thing or an annual thing, or it could be photos, it could be videos that you do, it could be recipes that you write down because everybody in the family loved it. Or it could be knitted, you know, a knitted sock or crocheted something or uh, music or poetry or your handwriting, just to see, you know, somebody's handwriting. Um, so I, I talk about all the different senses, the smell, mm -hmm. um, the, the, the smell you can never, like you can close your eyes and you can feel it and you can feel them. Yeah. And um, it could be a, you know, a teddy bear or a little dog they liked or something too, but it's, or that favorite shirt that they wore and it still has their scent on it. Right. Um, so it must be really hard to work with clients because, I mean, it was hard enough that you had to go through it yourself as well, but you must have a lot of empathy for those situations. Um, I, I like to, think that I do. <laughs> I, um, it's, it's one of the things that I do hear from my clients a lot is, you know, most of them struggle with the clutter part, right? And they have a lot of shame around it. And one of the things I hear from them all the time is that they don't, they never feel judged. Um, and that I'm just, it, I'm very easy to, to just talk to and to kind of just let it all out from. right yeah. and to just but sometimes just being able to talk about it and and let it out then allows you to make decisions um but also having someone there too who has 
walked this road before many, many, many times to just be there to, to hold your hand a little bit and say, okay, this is, this is the decision that you need to make right now. This is the only decision you need to make is just this one. Can you make it or not? Right? Like first decide if you can make this decision or not. And then if you can, this is all you have to do is just make this one decision. What do you think people get stuck up on? Is there anything in particular? Um, what do you mean? Where do the, what do you mean? What do they like? Is it their clothing that, or is it their the photos or, or pictures on the wall or for everyone? It's different for everyone. It's different. I think the hardest part, I think it depends a lot on how they deal with death and what are their thoughts about it? Because like, I can think of different examples, right? Like, like when my stepmom died, right? She was in the hospital. My dad was in the hospital. It was, it was a very short time period of you're going to die. Your, and until you, she was dead. Right. And there wasn't a lot of alternatives. There was not a lot of, there's anything we can do to save you. We've done the, we've done what we can. This is about how much time you have left. Um, and so it was a very rushed process, right? Whereas like my grandfather, when he passed, um, it was long and drawn out. And so it was very, I think people had a lot of time to process their emotions while he was still alive. Right. And so like my dad hoarded everything, but my grandmother, she took all my grandpa's shirts and turned them into pillows and we all got pillows. And so it was just, it's just a different way of, I think. Processing the grief. Right. You know, I feel like my dad, I feel like my stepmom was taken from him. Right. I feel like he felt that way too. He wasn't ready for her to go. Right. And so he held on to her things as a way of holding on to her. Um, and he wasn't, he wasn't even really ready to let go of everything when I decluttered stuff. Um, and it wasn't until he was remarried that then he was like, oh, okay, I'm done with that. I'm, I'm done with it. We don't, we just don't talk about it now. Whereas right. on the other side, you know, like my, my grandpa, well, I mean, he had polio when he was a teenager. So he was disabled always. And, and polio will shorten your lifespan anyway. So that was always a thing that was yeah. very talked about. Like it was not, it was not a thing as he got older and got worse and his health deteriorated. Yeah. It was, it was talked about. It was a, it's time. Like we'll stay as long as you can. And then when it's time to go, you can go. And his passing was very peaceful. Um, and so there was no, it wasn't a traumatic event. It was a, it was a peaceful event. Whereas I I think that does it for people too. Like traumatic deaths are, are much harder to deal with, right? Yeah. We are all born to die. That's why we're here. That's the end goal of life (laughs) is to die. But we spend a good portion of life 
being taught to be afraid of it, right? Or to uh, avoid it. Well, yeah, you want to avoid it for the most avoid part. Avoid it, not talk about it, not deal with right, it. Right. Not... We, yeah, we won't even, we pretend like it's not happening. We fight it like it's, like we're not, like it's not supposed to happen. Like somehow if you die, you failed. <laughs> You failed at life if you died, right? And if you and your doctor failed, and you know, like we're not allowed to die, and and that that is an awful way to live, because now it makes it, it it creates it a burden. Literally, it puts this burden on us from the time we're born, for our whole lives. Oh my God, I'm gonna die if I if I'm not successful at life, I'm gonna die, and so we have this huge burden already placed on us, and then when someone dies. Now we take on that burden of, well, they died. It's my fault. No, they were supposed to die. That was what their life was about. The when is a question. Yeah. The when's always a question. And how. Right. The when and the how. And so, you know, you try to do your best to not kill yourself on accident. Right. Yeah. But yeah. while enjoying your life, you know what I mean? Skiing accidents, motorcycle accidents, car accidents, boating accidents, you know, accidents that happen that kill you while you're enjoying your life yeah but death is supposed to happen it's just we forget that i think because we're yeah. taught so much and and i i don't want to go into a lot of the but religion is a big factor in teaching us to be afraid of death and to handle it in such a toxic way um and so yeah i think if we had a healthier relationship just with it from the get-go, we would struggle a lot less with, yeah. with the actions that need to happen afterwards. Like it would be a, a joyous thing instead of like crying over the stuff. Now it's a, you know. And fighting. And fighting. And the, well, and I wanted the Family this. fights. and Oh yeah, that's another thing too, right? Because that's the other part of the obligations of, well, I'm inheriting this when you die. Well, great. Do you actually care that I'm alive or do you just want my stuff? You know what I mean? It, it sort of becomes that. Its own entity. Yeah. Right, right. There's so much, like, all right, do you yeah. want the thing because you want the thing because it reminds it's, you of the person or do you want it because it's valuable or do you want it, like, what? Because your sister got it, so you want it too? Right. Like, what are the <laughs> things? And so I think we get stuck in all of the human emotions yeah. of, of all of that jealousy and even jealousy of when they were alive and had something that you wanted and for whatever reason couldn't have, you know, or, right. didn't have, you know, like, so there's a lot of stuff that we get stuck in around clutter mostly. And basically because everything we own is a reflection yeah. of, of who we think we are. Yeah. Do you start at a certain spot with someone when you go into the client's house and someone has passed? Because it, when someone's passed, it's always different than just going into their home and saying, well, I've started this business and I just find I have too much stuff and I'm not organized and I want to help get help cleaning it up. Uh -huh. So that that is different than going into someone's house and saying, well, my partner passed away and I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I kind of always start in the same place with, with people. I, first, I don't go into anybody's house anymore. 
Um, everything that I do is virtual, just like you and I are talking about. Oh, right now. wow. So, yeah. So I actually really help them face their own clutter. So it's not me doing it for them. It's not me fixing it for them anymore. It's me teaching them how to do it themselves, which really gives them an opportunity to heal through the process. Mm -hmm. um, I've developed my own method for how to declutter. And so um, I really, I walk them through that first. It's the first part of how I work with clients is I teach them this, this method of decluttering and, and these five steps and how they need to look at it. And I start with really talking to them even more so about what it is, what their clutter is and, and not, and about that relationship. Right. And so, I mean, it, yeah. I, I have these, I have the conversations, each client is different. So I, I can't say we always start like whatever in the bedroom or we always start in the here, in the kitchen, or we always start, or right. Or we yeah. always start with this thing. I always start with where they are. And so that means they lead the conversation. Will they talk about, well, I can't deal with this stuff or I don't know what to do with this stuff because I, I, yeah, that's usually exactly where they start. I don't know what to do with this. Sometimes it'll be specific things, right? It just, it'll just depend, right? I had a, I had a client not that long ago who her mother is actually still alive. Um, but she has dementia and she, she is gone. The person that was her mother is no longer, um, the body that is her mother's is still walking around. So she has this, she's had this time period to, to accept the inevitable death that is coming of her mother. But now they're sort of still dealing with the property, right? Because mom has been moved to an assisted living place, but they've had to do this, you know, all the processing. When mom was still, um, what's the word that I want? Uh, Mind-wise? Functional yeah, yes, mind? Yes, yes. Functional mind-wise. Um, aware, com competent, maybe that's the word. Yeah. I, yeah when competent. she was still aware. Yeah. Um, she would talk a lot about like she had this crystal collection, right? Her husband bought her crystal everything, right? She loved it. And she, that's so he, really funny. Cause I, I was just thinking of that the other day, how many older people have crystal and how many millenniums or gen X have crystal. They probably don't even know what it is. Right. Right. And she had a huge <laughs> collection of it, bowls and dishes. And, you know, she had the whole formal dining room set full of all this crystal wear. And none of the children, I think there was three children wanted it. None of them care. They don't want it. They don't, I mean, it doesn't it mean made, anything. It doesn't mean them. anything to them. It was their moms. Her mom loved it. That's why their dad bought it. And, but she, mom was very concerned. Who's going to get this when I die? Who's going to, who's going to take it? Who wants to inherit this? We put so much <laughs> obligation on people too with who's taking my stuff. I need to make sure that my stuff will live on forever. That's the other side of things that we do yeah. before we're dead, right? That's the other side of, we put that on a, a, the living. We leave that burden for our living descendants, which is a really shitty thing to do also. Yeah. Um, and so this is what she was doing was this, who's going to take my crystal? Well, none of them wanted it. And so my client, and this was before she became my client, had agreed to take it. 
And she was like, don't worry, mom, I'll take it. It'll be fine. And she's like, but Crystal, I don't want this crystal. I don't, I don't want, the, I don't want it. I don't love it. It doesn't mean anything to me. And I'm just, you know, going to donate it to the church. Maybe somebody there will take it or want it. And we had a huge conversation around, okay, what do you really want? What's your, really your goal with this? Well, I want somebody who will love it as much as my mom did. Okay. Yeah. Do you think just dropping it at the Goodwill is going to find that? No. Do you think dropping it at the church is going to find that? Well, no. What if you took it to an auction? Like where somebody who would have to bid on it, like to buy it, they're going to want it, right? Like, and so we came to a solution mm -hmm. that could bring her joy, right? Because mom doesn't need to know, like, hey, we're getting rid of it. It's It's gotten rid of already. Like mom's not dead yet and we've moved it on. She's gotten the inheritance and it's moved on to someone who loves it. Like that's really the goal, right? If yeah. Why should we be burdened with your stuff? Just because, yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? Like it, it goes both ways. Sometimes yeah. we get stuck there. A lot of times that's where people get really stuck. A lot of times when the clients come to me, they might have a hard time getting started because it's overwhelming just to all of a sudden inherit an entire person's life. Mm -hmm. I've had that happen to me too before, by the way, more than once. <laughs> Especially furniture and stuff. And it it, it affects your marriage and, and relationships too. Yeah. I had a, I had an acquaintance once upon a time who was the best man in a wedding that I was the maid of honor in. And he was supposedly moving from one apartment to a house, but there was this delay in the process. And so he was going to have to have a place for like a week for his stuff. And, and I was like, I got a spare room. Yeah. You can put it in there, you know, you know, storage, whatever. And then turns out all of he was lying about all of that. And he, wasn't paying his child support and he ended up going to jail for quite a period of time. And I inherited okay. everything he owned. Oh no. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? He wouldn't like, nobody would take it. His ex-wife wouldn't take it. He was in prison in like, what am I supposed to do? Nobody wanted anything to do with it. So now I was like burdened with disposing of all of these things that I just randomly inherited from a total stranger. No, that's plus the energy. Plus the energy of that. Yeah. So it's, but we do that. We put burden, you know, so it's sometimes it's both ways, right? Most of the time my clients will be hard, have a struggle getting started because of just however recent the death was. Sometimes yeah. that death is 10 years old, right? But this, the pain is still very, very real. Um, and, and in some clients houses, I find that you go into them after, um, you know, that I've, I've gone to visit and they'll either have a shrine somewhere mm -hmm. in the home and the bedroom is still left exactly how they left it. Yeah. That happens a lot in divorces, uh, um, as well as deaths. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Surprisingly, it'll happen in a lot of divorces and in deaths, or they will get stuck on just the one thing that they inherited, that it was like an obligation to them. Right. It was a burden that was put on them. I see that a lot where it's like, I've got this tea set that I hate, that I can't get rid of, that my mother calls and checks on me every month because I inherited it when grandma died and I hate the damn thing, but I can't get rid of it because mom's going to call me every month and keep checking on it. Like that's another, it's, it's, we do weird, weird things. That is really weird. Death and our stuff. And so, yeah, it, those are usually the two places that people get stuck the most is stuff they've inherited 
like single things. They might be able yeah. to get rid of most everything, but the, the, I will this to you. Oh, don't will me anything, please. Don't ever will me anything. I don't want it. <laughs> like just, yeah, we will things to people and then we burden them with our things. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes memories, sometimes not. Like sometimes it has no memory to you at all. Right. Sometimes there are bad memories, nothing but bad memories. And so now we have to carry that too. Whereas what would be best if we could just have joy, just the joyful memories of, of that and, and not the burden, right? If we, if we would, if we didn't have the burden, it would be very, it would be a lot easier to only have the memory, the joyous memories. Right. Right. But we, we stick with the heavier burden because that is what we've been conditioned to carry the burden. Yeah. Never to have joy. Right. That's, and feeling lighter and yeah. happier. Right. Like somehow it's a, it's, it's a, it's like, I have to do this. It's a, yeah. Like sometimes, somehow once a person dies, you're no longer allowed to be happy again. You have to bear the burden of depression forever. Like, because it's somehow wrong or sinful for you to experience happiness again because someone else is no longer alive. And that's another burden that we put on people um, yeah. and on ourselves. Like just sometimes we put it on ourselves very strictly, but it's also a very like societal belief, right? I mean, think about it historically. If someone died, you had to wear black for a whole year and you weren't allowed to have any pleasure in your life for a year. Do you think the dead person really cared like that you yeah. didn't have fun? Like that is a burden for the living. The dead don't care anymore. No. And they probably think if they could that it's not fair anyways, but wait, because think about it. Who is really being burdened? The young alive people. Like now you have to be miserable because some old person died, right? Like it's, it, we do these miserable things to ourselves. Like, and so then we can't celebrate death and we can't celebrate the life of the person because we have to be in mourning. Right. How do we, you know, decide, how do we decide on things? Like if it has the sense of my mom or my dad on it and how do we pick and choose? Like we're going to want to keep some things. Sure. But um, sure. And each of those things is personal. Um, I would say, you know, pick something that means the most to you. And it doesn't really matter what it is, right? But something that is, that matters to you where you can put it somewhere, right? That, that is, makes you happy. That makes that you makes happy, right? Because I firmly believe that your, your space should be filled with only things you need, use, or love. And so if what you are keeping is a memento of the life of a person that you loved, it should be something that signifies that life, that love, and that relationship, right? Or that person. Yeah. Right? So it doesn't- What they really meant to you? Is that it, what you yeah. mean? It yeah. could be what they meant to you. Like my father passed away a few years ago. My father was a man who wore jewelry. He wore a necklace always. And he had several 
rings. Well, mostly he wore like his wedding ring. And then obviously he had previous wedding rings from like my, my first stepmom, but he, and my sisters would want those things. My, my last stepmom also wants those things. And so there's a huge battle <laughs> in my family over those. Things. She wants them for her sons. My sisters want them for themselves. And so there's a huge battle over who, who does my father rightfully belong to his children or his stepchildren. And so it's, that's always a good battle. That one, that story. Yeah. I think it's a pretty shitty battle to be quite honest. I, I think it's, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a, well, it's just a divisive way to be like, why it just there, makes it complicated and having fights and it just makes pain. It just causes pain yeah. because, because everybody's in pain. And I get that the step children, the step family, the third wife and her children are in pain. And so, and they feel deserving for whatever reason they feel right. a right to it. Yeah, they do. But is that, it really there? Well, it's none of theirs. It was his. And so everybody fights over because they want those few things. But yet nobody's fighting over, you know, his work shirts or his false teeth or his, <laughs> his slippers, his slippers or his, his pillowcase or, you know, why do some things matter to you and not to others? I sort of think that the only reason the jewelry matters to my stepmom is because it matters to my sisters. Yeah. Um, that too. It's like right? a, this I, game. Yeah. It, a lot of people play a lot of games around um, a teacup and saucer <laughs> things. Right. Right. That would mean something, right? Like if, if that was your thing, right. You had tea every Sunday morning with your grandmother from the time you were born until the time you were 50, right? Yeah. That teacup might matter to you, right? Or maybe her teacup would matter. Maybe you want both teacups. You want her teacup and her, your teacup. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? If that was a thing, but if it was a tea set that grandma had that you never, ever used, but it is worth a thousand dollars, does it really matter to you? Or is it just matter because it's worth a thousand dollars? Is a question is, is these are legitimate questions that you want to ask yourself. And they're very hard to ask when you are in the feelings of death and emotional roller coaster. And it's very mercenary. Yeah. To talk about. Like, do you really want it because it matters or do you want it because it's valuable? And there's no right or wrong answer. It can be both. There's no, there's no, there's nothing that says you can't want it because it's valuable. And there's no shame. Yeah. In that. Like, yeah. But, so do you try to get meaning out of objects for people to, so it's, so it's meaningful so that they keep only meaningful things? I, I don't try to find the meaning in things. I don't try to create a meaning in something for people to create them. If you end up with nothing, I have zero mementos of my father. I have zero mementos of my stepmom. I have some photos. But you wanted stuff of your stepmom. And I did have things at one point in time. But, you know, 
I'm 50 <laughs> and she was, I was 15 when she died. Yeah. I, those things are long gone. No matter how much they meant to me at the time, they are long gone. Yeah. But I still have every memory of her and I still have some photos. And that's why I have the treasure box <laughs> because if you don't create it for yourself, so that your legacy right. lives on further than just you, you know, just Crystal, because your kids won't know who she is and their kids won't know who she was or their kids won't know who she was. Right, but I can't create that for them. No, but they can create it for themselves before. Right, right, right. And I do that a little bit now. Like I have grandchildren now. So like right now I record like little video chats of me and my grandson who is four. Right. And I'll save those little files and yeah. have them someday. Yeah. That's awesome. Because that's really, really important because that's, you know, that's going to be the memory that they can also hand over to their kids as well. Right. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I mean, it's more of a memory of us and less of a memory of just me. And I, yeah, existed. yeah, it was, it yeah, was the, a, them. Yeah. yeah. This was who she, this was who she was to me. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, those are the things that matter. Yeah, for sure. So I, I do for all our listeners, I do have your description and all of your website information is down below in the description box as well for Crystal um, so what would you like, I mean, I, we could talk about this all day long, literally, mm -hmm. there's so much to talk about, you would never think there would, about clutter, <laughs> I've, in all shapes and sizes. Oh, for sure. I, I can go on for days and days all by myself just talking about clutter. So <laughs> when I get a whole other person involved who asks me questions, oh yeah, this could be a month long conversation. <laughs> We no, we'll have to have you come back, Crystal. We'll have to have you come back because um, what would what would you like to leave the listeners with? Hmm. It is going to be okay. Time will pass, and. It's a hard road, though, during that it time. It is. And because it, uh, sorry to interrupt your last mm -hmm. statement. I, I, I just feel it from you somehow. I don't know why, but I just think no matter what kind of relationship you had with that person, you know, good or bad. Yeah. Like you loved your mom or didn't like her or didn't talk to her or did talk to her or spent your weekends together, like whatever the scenario is. Right. It's all going to come up when they die. All of those emotions. Yeah. Good and bad. Right. And the cool thing is you can still talk about those things. Um, I, I mean, I still talk to my stepmom <laughs> and she's been gone for 35 years. Yeah. But she's probably still there. So yeah. She's and so I still talk to her. I still um, am very intentional about conversations when I need to talk to my mom. I do. Yeah. yeah awesome. 
So um, sorry to interrupt your great last statement. No, that, and I think that's part of it, right? I don't necessarily, it, it might sound like a weird thing to say, but your relationships don't end just because you die. Like till death do us part is a crock of crap. Death does not part us at all. Mm -hmm. You can still have the conversations. You can still say what you need to say. Sometimes it's a whole lot easier to say. Yeah. But that's faith and, and sort of thing too. Well, I don't know that about that, but it's, it's something it's trust. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely belief trust. In yeah. Your belief. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's... so going back to what would you like to, your listeners to, to hear from you with all your past experiences? Um, it is okay to let go. Letting go of the physical things does nothing to change the fact that they were here. That's very good. Because it doesn't really doesn't. No. But we as 3D people on this earth <laughs> have an attachment to what we can see and touch and feel. We do. So we do. I guess that's what we have that issue with is. Right. And it's okay to take comfort from those things for as long as you need to. But it is unhealthy to be stuck there. So it's okay to let go. And it's, it's why, you know, let go of as much as you can. And it's okay to take comfort from the things that you need to hold on to for a while. So you don't have like a system where you say, okay, you can only keep three things. <laughs> I absolutely have a system. I absolutely have a system, but it's not like that. Okay. Um, I think that system is pretty toxic actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah that would be hard. Um, my system is a five-step system for decluttering. Um, and it takes you through a whole process. Um, I actually usually like to give it for free to the audience when I come on a podcast. So they can absolutely download that for free at declutteryourmindset.com. And that will take them through my five-step method of decluttering. Um, Perfect. That's awesome. And, but it doesn't limit them to, to, to a certain number of things or yeah. even any number of things. Um, it just walks them through the process of letting go one piece at a time. Oh, that's lovely. That's awesome, Crystal. Oh, I like that. Because yeah. I have heard, you know, there's five stages to grief and that, you know, if you have to look at this pile of stuff, you know, put in three piles and only keep three of the thing. Like I've heard of all these different rules and, Things like that, but yeah, a lot of people have really, really strange rules about how to declutter and mm -hmm. and what what you're allowed to have, and you know, I don't buy yeah. into any of that BS. Um, it's it's all about the energy of the space. Um, if you want to hold on to all of that, 
it's, it's just going to, it's stagnating energy. And that's your choice. If you want to let go of, you know, 95% of it in one big swoop, that's your choice. If you want to let go of one piece at a time and look at every single item in the room before you make a decision, that's your choice. But these steps will help you make those choices at your pace. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So everybody make sure, you know, I, I can't imagine how difficult it is. Not only do you have to go through somebody's house and find things, but you also get inherited stuff that you might not want. So there's, there's <laughs> so many different things of that whole part, right? Yeah. Um, and then it comes into, well, I want that chair because my grandmother always sat in that chair. And then your spouse says, well, it's ugly and I don't want it here. And, you know, so you have all of these different. <laughs> those are a whole lot of conversations. And then those are conversations that I end up having with my one-on-one -on -one clients. Those are the things that we talk about. How, what do you choose? What do you do when your spouse says no? And how do you, how do we make everybody happy in the situation yeah. so that, um, you know, so that everyone is happy. Cause that's really the end result. Like it's, you can't have a thing that now make is ruining your marriage. Like that's yeah. not going to work either. So where are the compromises? Where does this need to happen? How do we, and each one of those things are always very personal. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I work with my clients just one-on-one, -on -one, um, you know, with, within this sort of, Thing. I mean, I have like group for decluttering, but that's like when they're really able to move stuff and not on the where the stuck things are. The stuck right. things, yeah, those are better served with one-on-one -on -one conversations so we can really dig in and and find a solution that's, that's right for you because mm -hmm. there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to clutter. There's, there's no one-size-fits-all about life or death or clutter. Yeah. It's funny how it's, it's like, it's like funny when you get a new car and it's so nice because it's so clean and has mm -hmm. nothing in it yet. And then you have kids and, and it's like, where does this stuff come from? Like, mm -hmm. how do you get so much stuff in your car? Like, where right. does it come from? Exactly. You don't put anything in it like that you realize, but it just mm -hmm. accumulates somehow, some way, but yep. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed having you. And, um, so everybody take a moment. We could stay on talking about this all day. We could have like a 24 seven round around one of those decluttering weekends. I think that's almost what it feels like. So many more things to talk about. Yeah. That's crazy. So take a moment and make sure you subscribe to the channel down here. <laughs> down here in the corner somewhere. Uh, make sure you click on that bell so you get notified about our upcoming um, shows. And if you are thinking about that someone right now, that someone special watching the show and, you know, you haven't talked to them in a while and you haven't told them how much you love and care about, pick up that phone today drop by their house or FaceTime them or Skype them or Zoom them or call them on the phone. We still have phones. Mm -hmm. Do that today and tell them how much you miss and love them because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. 
And stay tuned for our podcast and our live streams. I have great conversations with some of the most interesting and accomplished people in the world today, just like Crystal here. I think you'll be entertained and informed and hope that we've inspired and motivated you to start thinking about your unique plan and that nobody's Superman and expect the unexpected. Uh, We were on all podcast platforms, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. We have a Facebook group that uh, is for our VIPs that you can join the community, uh, a like-minded community where you can ask questions um, or talk about situations with family and relatives, that type of thing. So feel free to uh, hop on to that. And thank you again for taking your sharing your time with us. I, you know, I love each and every one of you. We, Crystal doesn't know it, but I know she knows who Carol Burnett is. I do. (laughs) I always end our show with Carol Burnett um, because she was just wonderful, happy, happy, joyful person. And I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started and before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. So, so long, everybody. Crystal, if you want to say bye. Bye. Thank you so much for having me on and for letting me share my story with you. Oh, I loved every minute of it. Thank you, Crystal. And be, yes, uh, stay safe and be kind, everybody. Um, Expect the unexpected. Bye for now.